You are listening to sermon audio from Coggin Avenue Baptist Church. If you'd like to know more about us, check us out online at www.cogginchurch.org. Good morning, church. How are you? Good. Man, I'm glad college students are back. Finally. Thank you. It's been... Yeah, okay. That was weak. All right, that's okay. Man, I'm glad y'all are back. My name is Billy Cash. I'm the college pastor here at uh, here at Coggin. So, man, I'm excited that you're here. It's always this Sunday is always really exciting because we have a lot of college students that wind up coming in. They were at Jacket Journey and other things. If you're from West Texas, West Texas, you think it's horribly humid here. If you're from Houston, you think you just went to heaven, man. And so, um, but man, I'm so pumped that you guys are here. It's 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 good to have you here, and I hope over the next four years that I get a chance to get to get to know you and we get a chance to minister together and do some life, do some life together. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to open them to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We've been in a series in the life of our church. About every August, we get into a series called Get in the Game. And it's where we just kind of talk about what it looks like to serve, why we serve, how we serve, and opportunities that are available here at Coggin Avenue Baptist Church for, um, for those that are members here or, or guests here that that come regularly and attend here to plug into places and to, and to serve. So, man, you caught us in the middle of this. And so we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning just talking about spiritual, spiritual gifts to help us think through. A couple of weeks ago, Mitch Tidwell, who is, who is the interim pastor for us right now as we continue to look for uh, the new lead pastor here at Coggin, he, he started our series off talking about we serve because we've been changed. If you're an apprentice of Jesus, all right, if you're a son or a daughter of the king, one of the things that motivates and the motivation for why we serve is that we've been changed by the gospel of Jesus. We serve a God that serves, and that DNA is now woven into the fabric of our very hearts. And so we were created by God for good works that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And so last week, he began to talk about the motivating factor for that is love, all right? Love for God and love for the other. We do not serve begrudgingly, all right? The motivation of the heart for the believers, not only because we've been changed by the gospel of Jesus, but we actually love Jesus and we love other people, and so we want to, we want to serve them. So this week, I just want to kind of unpack some nuts and bolts about what spiritual gifts are, how you identify them, and how you begin to live into them. And if you've been a Christian for very long, you're going to realize that at some point, the things that the Father's going to call you to do, or the things that He's the mission that He's called us to, you're going to feel over your head in some things. Have you ever been asked to ride a bull? That'll make you feel over your head, all right? When you go in, there's something in front of you that, man, you're just like, I am not equipped to do certain things. When I got married, I felt that way, right? Like, I got married, and I'm like, man, Lord, I'm going to need some help uh, being a good uh, husband when I, when I begin to have children. It was like, man, these, these little humans, like, I'm responsible for, for doing something with these people. And so, man, I'm just asking the Lord for help. And inside of the Christian life, you will constantly find yourself in situations and positions where you feel out of your league and underwater. I, I go back to the book of Exodus chapter 3 where Moses meets God at the burning bush and God asks Moses to go back to Egypt and, and, uh, and, and bring his people out of Egypt into the promised land. And Moses in all of chapter 3 feels ill-equipped. If you have ever felt in the, in, in the Christian life that you were ill-equipped to do something God has called you to do, that's normal, okay? That's normal. 
But what I want you to hear this morning is this. God always equips his people to carry out the mission that he gives them. God always equips his people to carry out the mission that he gives them. He did this in the Old Testament when he would raise kings up or leaders like Joshua or David. If you go back and you read around Exodus 32, God's even, uh, through his spirit, empowering artists to craft the very temple of God where he's going to be worshipped inside of the tabernacle. He continues to do it in um, the life of Jesus in Luke chapter 4 where the spirit of God empowers the life and the ministry of Jesus in Acts chapter 1, where the Spirit falls on the disciples, Romans 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. So when we come to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, what you're seeing here is God continuing to empower his church to accomplish the mission that he has given them to accomplish. So let's begin reading here, chapter 12, starting in verse 4. We'll read through chapter 11, then I'll pray, and then we'll unpack some things here this morning. Now there are Varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith, by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing, by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. Let's pray together, church. Then we're going to unpack some things here uh, that I think the Lord wants us to hear this morning. Let's pray. Father, I'm so thankful for the chance to gather with brothers and sisters this morning to open up Your Word to look at this and and to see what you would have for us this morning. Father, I pray, I pray that your spirit would move in this place this morning. That you would encourage the family here. um, That we would be taught this morning. And Lord, that we would serve in the gifts that you have given us. God, serve this body of believers here. Serve the community of Brownwood God, for the glory of your name and the furthering of your kingdom. Lord, I thank you for the chance this morning to to do this. I pray that you would help me teach in a way that is faithful to the Bible here, that that honors you, that exalts the name of Jesus, um, and that encourages the body in this place this morning. Lord, we love you. I do thank you for college students that are here this week. I thank you for bringing these students to Howard Payne University. And Lord, I don't know where all of them are going to land, but I pray, that, uh, I pray for them, Father, that they would find a church to, to plug into, to plant at, and that you would use them in the, the, the church here in, in Brownwood, Lord, to love and encourage. And I pray that the church would be a place that loves and encourages them. Lord, I love you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for making us family. And we pray all of these things in his name. Amen. Amen. 
All right, now before we get started, um, I just want to define what do we mean when we're talking about spiritual gifts? So let me give you a baseline definition of what we're working with, okay? Because a lot of times I think when we, when we speak about spiritual gifts inside of the church, we immediately go to like really miraculous or supernatural kinds of things. Those can be spiritual gifts, Clearly, evidently, inside of, inside of Scripture. We're going to talk about that here in a second. But it's not always that. So what does Paul mean when he talks about spiritual gifts? Here's, I think, a definition for us to use this morning. A spiritual gift is any natural or supernatural ability given by God and used by the Spirit to build up the church and to honor Jesus, okay? Any natural or supernatural ability that is given to you by God, whether at birth or at your conversion, when you came to faith, God gave you a gift, natural or supernatural. The Spirit is using a gift. He's infused your life with power, with a gift that God wants to use to build up the church, to build up the church and to honor Jesus. So from this passage right here in 1 Corinthians 12, very quickly, let me pull out four things that I think we see about spiritual gifts. Here's the first one. If you're taking notes, write this thing down. God gives them. All right, God gives them. By the Spirit, God gives spiritual gifts to His people. Look here at verse, verse 4. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit And there are varieties of service, but it is the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. So if you are a Jesus follower in here, you have been given a spiritual gift by the Father. And here's a couple things that I want you to know about this gift. It's given to you. It's a gift, which means you don't earn it. Okay, you don't earn it. Your spiritual gift is not something that you, you earn. You reach a certain level of spiritual maturity, and then you are given a certain type of gift. No, it is a gift given to you, which also means not only do you not earn it, but we don't, it's not something that is meant to make us prideful. What was happening inside of the church at Corinth is there were certain gifts that were very visible, that were beginning to be used and even abused, and those with certain types of gifts were beginning to look down on others who didn't have the same kind of gifting that they had. And what Paul is saying here is, this is ridiculous. This is a gift given to you. God gives it. You don't earn it. It's not a source of pride. It is not used to build you up. It is used to build up the kingdom of God and to point to Jesus. So, so there's no pride that goes on here in the spiritual gifts that you have. The Spirit decides what gift you get, which means this too. You're not supposed to look at the gifts that other people have with some kind of jealousy. Like, man, I wish I had that gift, or I wish that gift was mine. The Spirit of God decides which gift you get, and He gives you one, and it's used for the building up of the church and the honoring of Jesus. You don't earn it, and it's not meant to create pride inside the heart of the believer. It's a gift, and it's empowered by God. It's empowered by God. Look down at verse verse 11, and look what Paul says here. All of these, all these gifts are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as He wills. The spiritual gift that you have is empowered by God, and it's meant to reveal God's work among His people. The gift is not as important as the giver of the gift. 
Don't forget that. The gift is not as important as the giver of the gift. And the emphasis here in 1 Corinthians 12 is on the Spirit's work in the life of the believer. So, the first thing I want you to see about spiritual gifts is this. God gives them. God gives spiritual gifts by the Spirit. Here's the second thing that I want you to see. There is a variety of spiritual gifts. There's a variety of spiritual gifts. The list here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is not exhaustive, okay? It's exemplary. You can go to Romans chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 2, um, and in 1 Peter, there's other lists of gifts that are given. They're not all identical. The list is not meant to be exhaustive. What we're meant to see here is that there's a variety of gifts. There's a variety of gifts. Um, He talks about these. Look down here in verse verse 8. He's going to mention uh, eight or nine different gifts here. The utterance of wisdom. This is the ability to take biblical principles and apply them to life. I have a friend uh, up in in Oregon. My my best friend, his his name is Sean. Man, this guy walks in a spiritual gift of wisdom. I remember uh, going to, when I was up there and doing some church work up there and problems would come. And I remember going and talking with Sean about certain things that would happen. And it was like, wisdom would come out of this dude. Like he would talk about things. I was like, I, I never thought of that. Thank you. Yeah, I, I should, I don't know, eat to live. I mean, it was like he, when he would talk about it, it was some of the most basic things, but he could piece things together about scripture and life. It was like this utterance of, of wisdom that was given. So he, he walked in wisdom. He talks about the utterance of Knowledge. This is someone with the ability to understand Scripture and teach it. I don't know if you've ever read any uh, Timothy Keller. He's a pastor that I uh, I read sometimes. Timothy Keller is a pastor up in up in New York. He's one of the few guys I know that has the ability to take these really hard, weighty concepts like nuclear fission, and then he just talks about them in a way that I'm like, wow, I. I understand that. Like, I can connect the dots of where you're, you're going. He has this utterance of knowledge. He can take things, uh, scripture and, and life, and he can teach them. He can teach them. Some people, some people have that gift, the gift of healing, reversing the destructive effects of sin, all right, through, through spiritual, physical, emotional, restoring comfort and health, working of miracles, calling on God for supernatural acts that reveal his power and work, prophecy, this is the ability to teach scripture or receiving a word from the Lord given to the mind that must be tested by scripture. The ability to distinguish between spirits, okay? In the church, this is the ability to distinguish between truth and error, what comes from the Father and what comes from the enemy. Um, various tongues, All right, we're Baptists, can we talk about this? Right? Okay? Various tongues. There's two, two ways tongues are often thought about. You can go to an Acts uh, chapter, uh, chapter uh, 2 where, where Pentecost happens and Peter begins to speak and people begin to understand uh, what Peter is saying even though he's not talking in their language. So it can be a language gift that you have that you understand other languages or you can learn and adapt and speak multiple languages. But you can also go over a, a couple of chapters here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. It is a private prayer language between an individual and the Lord in which they do not understand the things that they are necessarily saying, but their spirit is edified. Tongues reach into both of these things, all right? Tongues reach into both of these things. He also talks about an interpretation of tongues, the interpretation of languages. What I want you to see here is the list is not exhaustive, okay? 
It encompasses natural abilities that one person has. There are many people that have the natural gift of of teaching or the natural gift of hospitality, but that moves into the realm of a spiritual gift when it is submitted to the Spirit and used by the Spirit to build up the church, honor Jesus, and expand the kingdom. So it can be natural kind of gifts that you have, but it can also be supernatural supernatural kinds of gifts. Here's the third thing that I want you to see. Every believer in Jesus has at least, has at least one. You have at least one. Look here at the end of verse, look here at the end of verse six, going into verse seven. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Look down again at the end of verse 11. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he, as he wills. Okay? So Paul says here, listen, if you are a disciple of Jesus, an apprentice of Jesus, you have been given at least one spiritual gift. Maybe it was something woven into you in the fabric of your birth that has submitted to the Spirit. It's, it's used by the Lord to do certain things. Maybe it was something given to you upon your conversion when you became a believer. But you have at least one spiritual gift. If you've ever wondered, am I gifted? Do I have anything to contribute? Yes. Yes, this is what Paul is saying here. Now, here's the deal. You may not even know what it is right now, and you still may be exercising it. A lot of times the gifts come out, your spiritual gift will come out as you do life inside of the church with people, um, and, and you work for the kingdom. You do things that God calls you to do. There was a lady in a church that I served at several years ago, and man, this lady, bless her heart, she just, she served all the time. Like we would open up the doors for something and she would come in and where do you want me to serve? We called her, we called her the pit crew, man. She didn't want to be up front, but it was like down in the trenches doing whatever. What do you need? You need a meal. I'm on it. I'm going to go make a meal. You need this. I'm there. You need someone to hold babies. I'm going to hold babies. Like, what do you need? What's happening? You need someone to greet at the door. I'm going to greet at the door. And I remember uh, one of the pastors having a conversation with her and just being like, Hey, do you know what your spiritual gift is? And she was like, I have, I have no idea. I have no idea what my spiritual gift is. And he was like, have you ever thought that maybe it might be serving? She was like, what? Like, that's a gift? Yes, all right? So it was like, in that moment, it's like light bulbs are going off. She's like, I have the spiritual gift of serving. Man, I just, I love serving people. So she'd been using the gift for years inside the church. She, she couldn't necessarily put her finger exactly on what it is, but sometimes you will use your spiritual gift inside the life of the church, and you may not even be exactly aware of, of what it is, but you have a gift. You have a spiritual gift that the Lord wants to use for the edification of the church, for the building up of the body, and for the glory of Jesus. And even, listen, even immature believers have gift. Spiritual gifts are not things that you, you get when you reach a certain level of spiritual maturity, right? If you go and you read the book of 1 Corinthians, there was a lot of immature believers doing a lot of immature things, but they were using spiritual gifts. Now, you grow in your ability to use your spiritual gifts. You mature in that, but you don't get a spiritual gift just when you become mature in some kind of way, 
You have a spiritual gift if you're a disciple of Jesus. And here's the last thing that I want you to see. Spiritual gifts are used for the sake of ministry and the building up of the church. Look at what he says here in verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for for the common good. He's going to go in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 12, and he's going to say this. So with yourselves, since you are eager for the manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up, in building up the church. Peter's going to say this in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. As each one has received a special gift, employ it, use it, use it. In, in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. I was reading a commentary this week with John MacArthur, and here's how he kind of summarized this. He said this, Spiritual gifts are not given as badges of privilege or prestige, but as tools for ministry. They are given to servants to help them serve. They're given to servants to help them serve. So gifts are given in order to be given, not hoarded, not hoarded. So Paul goes on here, the rest of chapter 12, to give this illustration of the body, that the body is made up of different parts. And when each part is functioning in the way it's supposed to function, the body is healthy. It works appropriately. It is able to accomplish things. But when certain parts of the body begin not to work right, not to work appropriately, things begin to fall apart and short circuit. Chaos can begin to ensue. And in many ways, he likens that to the church. And so he says, listen, Brother, sister, you have been given a spiritual gift by, by the Father. It's, it's being used by the Spirit to build up this body of believers, to honor Jesus, to expand the church's kingdom influence and, and work here, not only here, but, but in Brown County and other places of the world. Use it. When you don't use your gift, the, the body is not as healthy as it, as it could be. Use your gift. Don't, don't rob the church. Listen, Don't rob the church of your gifting. Don't rob the church. God's put you here for a reason, for a purpose. You're not here by accident. Use your gift. And we have tons of people in our church that do this. I don't know. um, I don't know if you guys know Dean and Peggy Stevenson. Dean and Peggy Stevenson, usually here in the early service, um, and I want to offend them. I think they're in their 80s, uh, and, and they, they sit right there. When I, every time I walk away from Peggy Stevenson, I feel like I'm the greatest man to ever walk the face of the earth. Like, you talk with that woman, she has the spiritual gift of encouragement. I mean, you spend five minutes with her, And she does nothing but talk about, man, how she sees the Lord working in your life, what you're doing, how encouraged she was by something that you, I mean, if you're, if I'm ever having a bad day, I just call Peggy and I'm like, Peggy, just talk for five minutes. Just talk. I'm just going to listen for a little while. Why? Because this woman has the spiritual gift of encouragement. And there are people inside of our church, man, when they're, they are edified. They are encouraged by her. I don't know if you know Glenn Williamson, but man, you need to get to meet this guy. He has the spiritual gift of serving. 
I watch him and the way that he lives his life, and I'm like, man, I want to be like Glenn when I grow up. Often I call him. I'm like, Glenn, hey, we, we found out about this need. Is there any way that you can help? I'm on it. He gets guys. He shows up. He serves. He, he builds ramps. He, he, he does houses. Men in our church join him and get together. He has this spiritual gift of, of serving. Keith Clark Keith Clark, 20 years ago when I was in college at Howard Payne University, taught my college Sunday school class. Keith and Vicki Clark became like a second mom and dad to me. I would be over at the house. I, 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 would, I would hang out. Keith, Keith Clark taught me about the word, how to, how to walk with the Lord. I, I, I came back years later, and Keith Clark, he's not teaching college anymore. Now Keith Clark is down here teaching senior adults, loving on them, pouring into them. He's using his gifting. The church is built up when we as believers use our spiritual gifts. And listen, it is evidence of the Spirit's work in the life of the church when those of us who are apprentices of Jesus, followers of Christ, use our gifts to love and serve one another, the body here and our community. It is evidence of the Spirit's work here. And man, as a pastor here, I want that. I want the Spirit working in the life of our church. I don't want what we do here to just be driven by man-made will and energy. We want the Spirit's work here. You've been given a gift and use it. Use it. So listen, as I close here, I just want to mention a couple things. What are, some, what are some ways, what are some things that I can do to help discover maybe my spirit? Maybe you don't know what your spiritual gift is. Let me tell you a way that's been really prevalent that I don't necessarily think is good. It's not, it's not all bad. Um, but a lot of times what we do is we, like, we go online and we find a spiritual gifts inventory and we like, answer some question and then it, it spits out a gift to us. I'm, I'm not saying that's necessarily bad, but when, I, when I'm looking at scripture, I'm like, hey, the early church didn't have the internet, okay? Uh, and they didn't have spiritual gift inventories. And in Romans chapter 12, Paul just seems to, to write to the church and assume they will know what their spiritual gifting is. So spiritual gift inventories, they can be good, but I don't think they should be the first and the only place that we run to in order to figure out what our spiritual gifting could be could be, okay? Um, so let me give you some, some things here. They're, they're all up here. Um, if you're an English teacher, they all start with A. So you're welcome. Um, so here's the first thing. Man, ask. Ask the Lord. Ask Him. Just say, Father, what is, what's my spiritual gifting? What have you gifted me at, what have you gifted me at doing? Ask the Lord to reveal that to you. James says you don't have because you don't ask. Maybe one of the things that you could do is just ask the Lord. Could you just reveal and, and point out and show me where my spiritual gifting is and where I could plug in and use that inside of the church where I'm going to land at? The second thing I would say is ability. What are you good at? What are you good at? Man, are, are, are you good at, at, at teaching or serving or mercy or uh, giving or faith or prayer? Or what is it that, what is it that you are particularly good at? What kind of abilities do you have? The third thing I would say is an, an affinity. What are you passionate about? 
What are you passionate about? What are things that when you get up, man, if you could do this, you would, you would love, love to do this. Some people, man, it's working with kids. I just love working with kids or I love, love doing this. Some people are like, I, I don't, all right? They cry, they drool, they're gross. I don't want to be, uh, whatever. Okay, but what are you passionate about? What, what are things that, that, that drive you that you get excited about doing? This could be an indicator of where your spiritual gifting may, may lie. Affirmation. This is a big one. What do others affirm that you do well? What do others affirm that you you do well? I think you will have a very hard time discovering what your spiritual gift may be in isolation. Take all the tests you want. Think whatever you want. If If you claim you have the spiritual gift of help, but then you are never in a position to help anyone, how do you know? How do you know? What do others affirm in you? What do other people see in you, all right? Sometimes this is a good barometer to help. I mean, you may think that you're really good at this. I mean, American Idol moments, you know, I'm really good at singing. No, you're not, all right? You need other people around you that love you and Jesus enough to be honest with you and affirm you're, you're a kidney, all right? You're not an eye, all right? We're, we're going to try to figure out where that is, where that sits inside of the body. For me, man, this happened when I was in when I was in high school, I had a youth pastor saw some things in me. Ricky Cavett here with, with youth ministry interns and university interns. Sometimes we see things in college students or we're like, hey, come, come try this out. Let's see, if we can, let's see if we can grow this in you. Let's see if this is, a, this is a gift for you. But man, you need the church and the church can speak things into your life that help you, help you maybe discern where your spiritual gift is. And the last thing is this, action. Action. Get to work serving. Find some place to serve and plug in and serve. Well, what if it's not my spiritual gifting? Do I only serve in places that utilize my spiritual gifts? No, no. Um, Do I have to evangelize if I don't have the spiritual gift of evangelism? Yes, all right? There are certain things that are commands of the church that we all plug in and do. We all try to work in the, the grace and the power that the Spirit of God gives. Some people are better equipped at it than others, but just because I may not be equipped in a certain place doesn't mean I don't serve there, but when I find some place that uses my gifting, serve, man. Plug in and serve somewhere. And if you're not good at it the first time, that's okay. We just got done... Um, we just got done watching the Olympics, right? I didn't get to see much of the Olympics this year, but there's always a few events inside of the Olympics that just absolutely intrigue me because from my perspective, the things that these people do are almost superhuman. So one of those is the, the, the diving. And I'm not talking about like the two foot diving board. I'm talking about like the 80 foot, like concrete slab that doesn't, that's all the way up. I mean, I wouldn't even climb the ladder to get up there, but these people get up there, walk to the edge, sometimes turn around on their tippy toes, and then proceed to jump off, flipping, spinning, whatever, and land and land in the water. Listen, they didn't do that the first time they tried it. If they did, they're dead, and you don't know about them anyway, okay? So people that are doing this kind of stuff, what did they do? They, they started, right, at the two-foot diving board, and they figured out maybe they had some natural ability to do some things, but as they practiced, and they, they, they tried, and they messed up, and they failed, but they got back on it, they, eventually they're doing things. So sometimes, listen to me, sometimes the spiritual gift that you have needs to grow, you may think, well, I've got the spiritual gift of hospitality. 
And you invite someone over to your house and, and I don't know, you don't have plates and the food's horrible, but the company's great, all right? Okay, don't get frustrated. Next time, get plates when you invite people over, all right? Learn, like learn, grow. Don't do something once and just immediately decide, well, that must not be it. Sometimes the spiritual gift that the Lord has given you, it needs time to grow, to mature inside of you. I look back on some sermons that I was, I was teaching like 20 years ago. You know, I, I kept a lot of them. Sometimes I look back and I read some of the things that I said like 20 years ago, and I'm like, man, dear Lord, why, why did God not kill me like when I preached this? Like, I do not know what I was thinking. Why did I say that? And, and I look at that and I'm like, why? The spiritual gift of, of teaching in me, it needed some time. It needed some time to grow, to, to mature. And so sometimes this is the way it is. This is the way it is with us too. God has placed you here. If you're a believer and a follower and receiver of Jesus, he has given you a spiritual gift. And man, you are in this place for a reason. College freshmen, listen to me. Man, I'm pumped that you're in Brownwood. And you may, you may wind up not landing at Coggin, and that's okay. I don't care where you land. Where I care is that you land somewhere. And you, you land somewhere. And I think this is great training for you. And I tell college freshmen this all the time. This is great. You're, you're here. You're going to start looking for a church. You need to do that because in four years, you have to do it again, right? Or some of you, five or six. That's fine. I'm not judging. <laughs> But listen, you're going to have to do this again. So, so here is an opportunity for you as you visit churches to ask questions like, man, are they preaching the Bible? Is there leadership here that I can submit to their authority? Um, is there a community here that I can plug into? These are questions that you need to be looking at and, and questioning as you move and as you visit churches. And, and, and that's great. But listen, when you find a church... Begin to do life with that church. A Christian without a home is a Christian in trouble. Find a place that you can plug in, that you can serve, that you can become part of that, part of that body. College students that I see that grow the most in the four years that they are here are college students who have found church homes and are finding places to use their spiritual gifts to build up the body, to honor Jesus, and to expand the kingdom. And that's my heart for you. That's my heart for you. That's what I want for you, okay? And in this passage, if you're a member here at Coggin, listen, this Get in the Game series isn't because the staff just sat around one day and thought, how can we keep our people busy? Their lives aren't busy enough. What can, we, what can we make them do? That wasn't how this thing fleshed out, right? Like it's the staff and our church and leadership getting around and saying, man, we want to love the body here well. We, we want to teach, disciple, and train believers to grow in their faith with Christ. How do we do that well? Brownwood is the community that God's placed us in. How do we love the community of Brownwood well? How can we serve them? And some of those things just pop up. They're kind of organic and people just do them. But some of those things as a church, we get together and we get behind and we pull towards and we say, this is where, this is where we're going as a church. So get in the game series for us, man. It's not just about trying to make you busy. 
It's not about trying to force you or guilt you into serving somewhere. You know, you're grumpy and you're just going to do it, you know, and fine, I'll be a greeter. Don't, okay? It's probably not the right place for you. Um, You know, we want people who smile and and actually enjoy other people and want to, you know, hey, come on in. We're glad you're here. And I mean it. Um, So so listen, these are the kind, but we didn't just come up with this just to to make you busy. That's not it. We came up here because... When we pull together as a church, when we love and serve one another, it's evidence of the Spirit's work in the life of this body. And we want the Spirit working here. We want to love one another well. We want to help create disciples. We want to point people to Jesus. And the reality is, we need one another. We need one another, and we need the gifts that God has given each and every one of us to be used and utilized in this place. Listen, man, you're never more like Jesus than when you're serving. God, at his very nature, is a giver, isn't he? The Father gifts the Son. The Son gifts and gives his life. The Spirit now empowers to accomplish the things that the Father and Son are, are doing, applying the gospel, making people alive, changing, changing hearts. God, at his very heart, is a giver. He is he serves, and he's called us to this. He's called us to this as a church. So the question isn't, do I have a spiritual gift? Yeah, you do. The better question is, is am I using it to serve the Lord? Am I submitting that gift to the Lord? Am I using it to serve the Lord, to advance the kingdom, and to honor Jesus? Many inside of our church are. Maybe for you, as we're walking through this, getting the game, you're beginning to see man, I'm not. My growth is stunted. Some things are happening. I I need to get off the sidelines. Pardon the pun. Get in the game and, and and start serving in whatever way the Lord would call me to. Whatever way the Lord would call me to. The last thing I want to say this morning as the band comes back up and we get ready to, um, to spend some time in response here. Here's the last thing that I want to say this morning. Maybe for you, before you can start exercising a spiritual gift, the reality for you is this. You first have to receive the gift of Jesus. And you've never entered into a relationship with the, with the king of this world. And my prayer for you um, this week has been that, man, if the Lord uh, is, is, is moving in your heart and you're beginning to see, man, I, I don't know Jesus Like I don't have a relationship with him that before anything else happens, you would enter into a relationship with with Jesus, the king of this world, and that you would learn to love him and walk with him and out of the overflow of that would come the exercise of a spiritual gift. And we we don't work to earn something from Jesus. We work because we're loved by a king who is empowering us and setting us loose on the world to expand the kingdom and change, change the world around us. This is, that's the posture we want to have. Thank you for listening to this episode of our Coggin Church podcast. We exist to make disciples by leading people to connect with God, with others, through service to the world. For more information about Coggin, visit us at www.cogginchurch.org.